Stephen Robert Alton was born August 21, 1959 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He is an American science fiction author. He is best known for his mag series of novels set around the fictitious survival of the Megalodon, a giant prehistoric shark. After earning his bachelor degree in physical education at Penn State University, a master's degree in sports medicine from the University of Delaware, and a doctorate of education at Temple University, Steve decided to pen his debut novel Meg, a novel of deep terror, to the help support of his struggling family of five. He even sold his 71 Malibu convertible to pay for his editing fees. Four days after losing his day job, Steve was offered a two-book, seven-figure deal with Bantam Doubleday and Mag went on to crowded the book of the 1996 Frankfurt Book Fair and was eventually sold to more than 20 centuries. The book became the bestseller in the U.S. and a successful radio series in Japan has spawned a cult following amongst his readers with six sequels to date as well as being adapted into a Hollywood movie. Released in the summer of 2018, The Meg was a blockbuster smash hit worldwide. Today, Stephen has written 21 books, including the Mayan Trilogy, the 2012 Doomsday Trilogy, and the Locke series. He also helped launch the non-profit Adopt an Author program designed to encourage students to read, or which has seen 10,000 teachers register so far. Lucas. And I'm Chris Tetchell Blay. Welcome to Book 101. Yes, because Book 101 is created to empower writers all over the world, like Mr. Stephen Alton. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. One of the, well, yeah, I'd say one of the best out there. It's one of my favorites, really. It's be another fun one to talk about. I don't know if it's an author that a lot of people will be sort of wholly familiar with everything he's done. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll touch on one of the more famous ones that they may, they may know him from, but there's a lot more, a lot more to delve into as well. So, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So I first discovered his work. Um, so the, the first book of his I discovered is, is one called the Mayan prophecy, which uh, if anyone's listened to me talk about my, uh, the inspirations behind my world of apocalypse, you'll know that, the whole 2012 mind prophecy was a big interest of mine. So we're going back to probably when I started writing. So 2012, 2013, um, I found his, I found this book because I was researching the Mayans in that. And obviously having a, a novel out there called exactly what I was looking for drew, would have uh, drawn my attention. Um, so that was the first book I read of his, but it's, it's another series of his has played a bigger part in my life, really, uh, which is one that, if anyone knows him, they know him for probably more so than the Mayan 
books, which was um, the Meg series, um, which I first started reading. God, let me think. 2018. So there was there was a bit a bit of a gap in between when I discovered them and when I then found that the ones that really hooked me in. So it was a bit of a, I wouldn't say a slow burner. It was one of those writers that I, I, I discovered through one means and then I didn't actually realise um, until a little while later, sort of the everything else that he had done and what other awesome works he had done, um, particularly the Meg series, as we'll talk about. So as a reader. What first drew you to Steve Alden's work? So, I mean, obviously, apart from the obvious then, you know, when I say about I discovered him through the Mayan prophecy, which the title itself was was what drew me in. I think it was, he, he's described as a sci-fi writer, and I don't normally go for science fiction. Um, I think up to that point, I was expecting, you know, any kind of sci-fi book was set in space, um, you know, other planets, that kind of thing. It wasn't really my bag. But I think what Steve Alton does is is he takes there's a lot of history in his works, you know, as you'll find with with either the mind prophecy is obviously based on you know that very you know as the name suggests the um, the Mayan calendar that uh, foresaw foretold the the end of the world essentially as most people will have um, interpreted it as in 2012. So that's that's something historical there that he 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 developed this a bit like I did I suppose his theory behind what could have happened, um, what this um, end of you know end of days actually would look like according to him. It wasn't really you know there wasn't really anything in that that made me think it was science fiction. That to me was was almost like historical fiction, speculative fiction. I don't know what you'd class it as. He has a knack of really hooking you in his some of his books are quite quite big which normally would put me off uh, I, I like something that I, I i'm not a very fast reader so i like something that i know i can digest fairly quickly but he's got a way of really hooking you into the story and in his stories go down several paths that you wouldn't have predicted but all the time winding back to the the the, the the topic of the story you know the he came he, he developed a trilogy out of the mind prophecy i haven't read the other two um i will admit but sort of come the end you you almost you get to the end of his books and you realize you've been on this roller coaster ride with so many twists and turns that you weren't expecting but actually you reach a conclusion at the end that you're happy with which i think is really important as a reader he doesn't leave you hanging or leave you questioning what is going on you know it's very very clear what he's done at the end you know he reaches a conclusion as if he if he was to leave that book alone and not write another one it would still stand on its own i feel something i liked to try and do in my writing but i found to my detriment i couldn't really write an ending very well i had especially if i had a, a an idea that i could carry the story on i liked a cliffhanger where i think steve alton he has cliffhangers throughout his story Books, but he doesn't necessarily leave you unsatisfied at the end. Um, yes, these are the title of the Mayan trilogy. Domain, or the Mayan prophecy in 2001. Mm -hmm. Resurrection, or the Mayan resurrection in 2004. And Fabos, Mayan fear, or the Mayan destiny in 2009. So those trilogy impacted you to your uh, Wildemar Apocalypse trilogy. Yeah, it was definitely within 
you know, it was definitely something I credit. Yeah, I, I mean, there was a lot of there was other films around the the twenty twelve film at the time that was around around that two thousand ten. I think it was released, and I was reading some actual, not obviously not not factual books on the twenty twelve prophecy, but but ones that you know non fiction ones that people had had written. I was ta- I was taking in all of these different um theories around it and i think what's what's great hearing when steve alton actually wrote those books it's prior to 2012 so to him it was almost like he would he it gave him an idea of what could happen i think that's what makes it more exciting especially if you were reading them at that time because you're still if you were sort of a believer in the 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 mind the whole mind prophecy you may have been speculating what is going to happen and and this was just one of his trilogy would have made up one of many interesting theories i suppose and fed people's imaginations so uh but yeah it was was definitely there it definitely made me want to write my own um version you know even though i wrote mine after 2012 it it still made me want to write my own take on it so yeah it's very inspirational as a writer what impact has the steve work had on your own so again just follow on from that really so, so that 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 book was was one that spurred me to writing my own take on on you know an apocalypse um the 2012 apocalypse so that's one that's a very obvious impact but if we if we go a little bit um a little bit more recent when i said i discovered his meg series in 2018 i don't mind sharing actually that his i discovered that book at quite a dark time um in my life i i was diagnosed with um social anxiety and depression um in 2013 i started writing oddly enough and it, it reached ahead in 2018 and to to such a degree that i had to step away from from my work and everything i kind of felt like i was retreating and the one thing i found one thing i discovered when i eventually made that move to come away from from my job and try to you know, correct myself. I found the Meg, or Meg as it was known. Um, I I wanted to delve into a book. I wanted to escape my own reality, and uh, I'd known about the book Meg for a while. I, I was I was a big fan of monster books, monster movies like Jaws. Pete Benchley was was a great writer um, who gave us Jaws and the Beast. I, I loved those. Uh, TV adaptations, movie adaptations, and the books that they came from. So I wanted to get into reading more of those kind of things. And when I knew that, um, when I found Meg again, I, I discovered it through a, another writer friend of mine called Dave McCaffrey, who was actually he he was the publisher of My Wildermore Apocalypse most recently, a few years ago. He actually was um, he partook in the like mentorship program that Steve Alton was running. So he would he would pick writers and he would mentor them i think over a course of a year or so to to write a book and dave mccaffrey actually his debut novel went through the hands of steve alton uh, he was one of the ones who who had a lot to do with shaping the story um so when i, I was talking to i think i was seeing david or i was talking to david at the time about you know certain things about writing and this came up and so i i thought what better time i, I needed i need something to really um distract me so I, I found meg and i was i was totally hooked i knew the, the the film i think i knew they were making it into a film as well so i was i i found myself it's the first time that i rattled through books that quickly i read the entire meg series in about two months um so i think it was, that, it was six books and 
I, I couldn't put them down. I, I wanted, it, it gave me, yes, a distraction from my own problems, I suppose, but it, it almost had a really soothing effect in that respect. You know, I wasn't thinking about the things that I was worrying about before. So for me, coming out of that period, um, I'd found a writer which not only had written books I'd enjoyed, but they, they all of a sudden meant a lot more to me personally. Um, and again, I, I, I knew I tried my hand at writing some of these like monster books. My, my, my story, which is in a necessary end is the closest thing I've come to writing something like this. It's still something I want to do is I want to write a book, even if it's just one book, a standalone one, which has the impact that, that Steve Alton's Meg had on me. Um, you know, giving someone somewhere they can escape to if they need to and, and sort of hold them there and, you know, make them want to just not put the book down or keep picking the other volumes up or whatever. And what he does is he makes himself very accessible to his readers. Um, he actually puts his email address out, but you can actually contact him. It may take him a while to come back to you, but he he likes to, he likes that exchange with his readers. He's very, sort of gives it a real personal kind of uh quality so after i i i after the couple of months where i devoured his meg series i um i emailed him sort of cited the common link we had with dave mccaffrey it was it was good that i could drop you know a familiar name in there and i actually had a response i don't you know only a, a very brief email exchange with with steve myself which was amazing for me because this was a guy who had had such an impact on me personally and you know i loved his work and all of a sudden i could actually before I had my own podcast, it was the first time that I'd actually been able to, to sort of reach out and, and have, you know, have a response from someone that I admired. So I think that's fantastic that he does that and he makes no, um, no secret that he likes that connection with his readers. You know, it's, it's very easy to forget about the people that get you where you are, I think. Yes, definitely. So if you compare Meg to uh, Joe, what's a big difference? Well, the big difference, pardon the pun, is obviously the size of the shark. <laughs> so <laughs> in, jo in Jaws, yeah, obviously you're dealing with a very big shark with um, with the great white, but it's it's very much set in reality. Um, the Meg is as well. The, the, the glaringly obvious difference with this one is, is you're dealing with a Megalodon, which um, firstly is a much, much bigger beast, uh, but also one that, you know, we, we think anyway, unless we find that otherwise, um, no longer exists. You know, it's a prehistoric creature which unfortunately uh we believe to be extinct um it's a terrifying thought when you consider the, the carnage the the horror that uh, pete eventually brought us with jaws to fear a creature which is actually out there and then you you take steve alton who who really ups the ante with that and is like taking a 60 foot great white shark and imagine what that can do when you know already what a normal one can do um I think Steve just Steve Arnold just takes it that step further, and he he indulges the historical aspect of it. He really, or the prehistorical aspect, I should say, because it's not just it doesn't just stop at the megalodon. He introduces other prehistoric creatures along with it, and he's able to actually make them fit into this this world that he's created. It's set in a normal world. It's not some, you know, faraway planet or anything like that. He's imagining like he does with a lot of his books, what would happen if, so what would happen if we discovered the Megalodon actually found its way back, you know, what would happen? What absolute carnage could ensue? Um, and what else could come with it? You know, there's, there's other, there's prehistoric whales he brings in there. He's, he's done a spin-off called the lock, 
um, which is about Loch Ness Monster. You know, he's, he's able to put his mind to these um, these other creatures, these, these cryptids, as they call them. Um, these creatures which are either mythical, legendary, prehistoric, and he's able to, to actually make them fit. Um, not saying that Pete Benchley couldn't do that with George, but I think George was very much set in in a much more sort of, dare I say, everyday situation. You know, these, these shark attacks do happen like they do in, in George. Maybe not to, you know, to the extreme sometimes, as he put it into his books. But to my knowledge, there haven't been any Megalodon um, attacks as yet. Yes. Um, but it really yeah. does make you think, you know, what could happen. And this is this is the thoughts he's left me with, with his mind prophecy. Um, but he's also, um, I'll have to get the title of it. There's another great one. I, I think it's, I don't know if it's Undiscovered. Undisclosed, I think, is another one of his, which is around kind of more the um, conspiracy cover-up of extraterrestrials. And it's almost like he's asking questions with all of these. You know, we don't have any proof don't exist. So what if they do? And I think, I think that's a fantastic it's a fantastic thing to go into writing and reading a book. Yes, definitely. So the, these are the titles of the Meg series. Uh, number one, Meg, a novel of a deep terror in 1997. And it was revised and expanded edition published by Kunobi Book in 2005. And number two, The Trends or The Trends Meg 2. In 1999, Meg Primal Waters in 2004, Meg Aquaman 2009, Meg Origin in 2011, Meg Night Stalkers in 2016, Meg Generation in 2018, and Meg Purgatory in 2022. Mm -hmm. So, Mr. Really, Mr. Alton is a prolific writer. He is. He's teasing us with Meg Purgatory as well. It was meant to be out last year, but we are eagerly still awaiting it. <laughs> he does this. He, I mean, he has his own he's got health issues of his own, bless him, as well, which is, I think, impacting his writing. But he's great at telling us what he's working on and making us want it already before it's even there. You know, he's, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting for the day it becomes available because I'll be there. So. <laughs> <laughs> what is the difference about his writing that set him apart from others you have been read? I guess just what I, what I said before, um, following on from that, what I said about, it's just that quality of, of what he writes about. He's able to, yes, most would describe him as a science fiction writer. I don't think you can categorize what he does, to be honest, because part of it is historical the science fiction part i think the only bit of it really that i've seen is is just he's writing about stuff that you you can neither prove or disprove um so it's not like you're not picking his books up thinking this is so far out the realms of reality you know it's great for that reason because i can just suspend all kind of um belief system or like me you want to pick ones up that really make you think and make you wonder you know this guy could be onto something if what he's writing about could actually happen or could actually exist. And it's the way that he is able to build this universe, like he's done with Meg, for example, and, you know, all of the directions he's taken it, all of the other creatures that he's brought, been able to bring into them and make them fit. 
and the spin-offs that he's had um the lock is one that's got two books again we're waiting on the sequel and there's another one called Vostok, which is which is is more where the prehistoric sperm whale comes into it. He's able to take parts of his universe and and, and break them open in in other books, but but make sure they feed into the main narrative of what the Meg series is telling. I think he's just so immersive, and I'm not saying there's other writers out there that that aren't, but I think he's one of the ones. Unlike what I said about James Herbert, and I think I found this with wilby smith as well he doesn't have a particular blueprint to his books i haven't sat through any of the meg books for example and thought i know where this is going because he's following a certain pattern I, i didn't get that at all and particularly in i think it was vostok actually he went completely away from what i thought he would do the science fiction aspect really came out because he had a bit of kind of almost like time travel, but deja vu kind of thing where characters were, were having to repeat the same scenario time and time again until they found a way of breaking the cycle and changing, you know, going off on a certain path. That really was, it took me by surprise because it's, it's take, it, I almost felt like he had taken it way past reality, even though his, his book is already not based completely in reality because it's about prehistoric sea creatures, which may or may not exist. Um, but I felt like I was being taken on another journey within that book and then being placed right back where I started. I, I Yeah, I'd say immersive is is one of the best words I can probably use to describe his work and why it appeals to me. So do you think what Mr. Alden inspiration of writing all those mag series? What was his inspiration? Do you mean? Yes. Um, wow. Eight- eight series right it's like i know yeah i mean it's it's he t- from the first one you really um you get a sense one of those where you get a sense of he didn't need to do a sequel but there's definitely there was definitely scope to do it and he did run with it um i think by the time you've written one book about the megalodon it's almost like the world's your oyster so to speak it's like you can expand on this because it's not it's not based on a particular event. You've you've taken something historical, you've brought it into you know the modern world. It's up to you what you do with it. Um, what his actual inspiration was, I don't know. I, I just love the way that in in the second book, for example, no spoiler alert here, really, because I think a lot of people may have may already be familiar with it. But he he brings in the the original megalodon from the first book, um, spawns a, a, a couple of. Uh, a couple of uh, babies so you're you're it's almost like you can see the bloodline already starting to form you know you know that this is potentially a series which is going to have legs or fins so to speak and just go on and on and then he introduces his his he expands the main character jonas taylor he brings in his son so it's all the time i think he's pulling in um almost like bit players from from the early books and he's giving them their own platform in later books so he's expanding he, he's, t- he's telling he's going through the timeline of all the characters and he's, he's making sure they all have their part i suppose um and the more characters he brings in again something else he does for his readers as well is he, he'll he'll have competitions going um or like lucky draws where he'll actually name and create characters after his readers he'll use their names or he'll use their appearance or whatever 
so he's always got so many characters he's bringing into these books that again he could just sit back and just decide well i'm going to take those two over there in the next book they're going to come you know front and center and they're going to have their own story to tell and I, I think as long as he's doing that he's got a believable universe that he could just keep expanding so, yeah. Yes, definitely. So if you like the Alton immersiveness of writing, what do you think the flaws of the writing? The actual writing itself of the books, I'm really not sure because because I've got such a so, got such a place in my heart for the Meg series for you know, for reasons I've discussed. I suppose what I've just said about you know the fact that he could go on and on and keep expanding this universe. I suppose he, the danger there is the fact that he doesn't know when to stop, and all of a sudden you've you've watered down the product too much. You know when is when when are there enough parts to a series that you can then leave it alone? Um, I, and the way the way he teases us with the books as well. If I'm going to pick out any flaw that he, if he's got any chance of hearing it, this is a good flaw to have. Is the fact that he, he does he does get us wanting his books way before they're probably uh -huh. due to land with us, you know? So, so we are almost like, you know, rabid by the time he actually, he actually releases them. So the, the weight in between books can, can seem a bit too much at the time, but when you see what he's doing and the reasons for it, I suppose you can forgive him for that. Absolutely. Um, but the actual, the, the writing, if I'm going to base it on the ones I've read anyway, um, there isn't really anything in the actual terms of the, the stories and that. I think, Possibly going back to Vostok, the the bit in there which went completely off course and you know almost had a bit of a element to it. That might be. I, if anything, I'd say that didn't really for me. It didn't really fit. It, it went too far beyond the purpose of of the story he was trying to tell. Um, so there is that danger there. I think if he doesn't quite shut off his brain and it not be like me goes off in all kinds of directions, it's when when do you choose to stop? So, yeah, there you go. so the Meg series, the first film ad adaptation of Meg novel, A Deep Terror, was uh, came to motion picture last August 10, 2018. Mm -hmm. And the Meg 2, The Trance, is scheduled to be released. August for 2023. Yes. Oh, this... oh, wait. Five years is a long time. Again, this is nothing to do with Steve Alton. This isn't him slowing the process down, but it's it's almost like waiting for another one of his books to come. You know, it's it's a long time to wait. But uh, it's, it's building that anticipation. I think that's all they're doing. So. so for all the Meg series, what do you think the best of the best, all of them? That's a, that's a really easy one. As much as I love the, the series as a whole, there is a clear front runner for me, which is Meg Hell's Aquarium, which is book number four. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, this is the one where I think he had introduced. So Jonas Taylor, the main character, his son David, I think had been introduced in previous books, um, but this is the one where he's he's come of an age, and he's actually he's the main character, so he's the one doing almost you know in in, um, in the main role in the firing line as far as these aquatic monsters are uh, concerned the story is fantastic um in a nutshell i think they, it, again a while since i've read it but david taylor is um given an opportunity by some billionaire out there who wants to open a uh, an aquarium essentially of prehistoric sea creatures you know he's found out the megalodon exists he's trying to get his hands on more he knows where to find them so he enlists david taylor to come along um, in his father's shoes and 
basically help him capture a lot of these creatures that he wants. And this is where you, this goes beyond just the Megalodon. This is where a lot of the, the great ones from, you know, Jurassic periods, Triassic, whichever one it is, um, you got so many interesting creatures they bring into this. Um, one in particular, which, which really is instrumental in, in one of the most heart wrenching ends to a book. And one of those real curveball kind of um, twists that you didn't see coming. This is, this is definitely the one to read. You probably need to read. I would say you can't really successfully read the Meg books out of sync. You know, it always does go better if you read them in order. So if you can get through the first three books, which are all brilliant, and get to Hell's Aquarium, you won't regret it. That's the one that I really hope they get to make into a film one day as well. Yes. So how did Mr. Alton connect all the series in the story? Um, so obviously the Meg, uh, the Megalodon is, is the main, th it, it, the main thread through them all. You know, it, it starts off in the first book where the Megalodon is discovered. You know, they, they, it's obviously a creature that people think is long gone. Something happens and it's able to surface from the bottom of the Mariana Trench and actually into you know normal surface waters as it were um and from there like like i mentioned they there's there's uh, offspring that come from that original megalodon which then they kind of take over the story over the, over the most of the series um mainly like the two daughters that the, the original megalodon had um and it's really sort of how Jonas Taylor and and you know his his group of friends who uh, discovered them are trying to contain not that you contain a megalodon very easily but it's how they're they're trying to cope with the fact that this this creature is once again around and it it, it can't be just left to run amok in the in the oceans it needs containing somehow otherwise you know there'd be no people left essentially <laughs> um so yeah i mean that carries through this is where a bit like hell's aquarium where you know the megalodon story is always going forward and always evolving but he's bringing in other of these prehistoric sea creatures who would have been around not only at the time of the megalodon but all the way through history finding some way of bringing them in and making them relevant um and it's coming up to the last book they released was generations um they left it on a massive cliffhanger so here i was saying that he he doesn't leave you with an unsatisfied taste in your mouth he doesn't really do cliffhangers generations does does end on a bit of a cliffhanger and i think the idea was he was meant to write and release purgatory a lot sooner um, than he has done um but it's it's the only book so far i think it's seen so uh it's i don't want to give too much away because i really want you know people out there who who will have already read it will know what i'm on about but those who haven't you know i encourage you to go through the series until you get to that point and you'll know what i mean but there's something else coming through that he's not written about before another creature and he's introduced it pretty much right at the end and you just want to know now it's almost like the the megalodon throughout the series has gone from being the villain to almost i don't want to dumb it down by saying he's almost like a pet or she's almost like a pet of the of the, the Jonas Taylor family, but they've almost like got a bond by this point with the megalodon, and you just get an, an you get the impression that the megalodon is almost going to come good and be the savior at this point. But you've got to wait till the last book to find out, which is really annoying. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Probably bigger, better than the mag. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's 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 
has some makings of a very very cool ending they, there's rumors that he is making purgatory the last one um we'll see obviously if that is the case but if it is it would do an explosive ending really i would imagine Yes, and uh, these are the standalone uh, novel of Mr. Alton. Fathom in 1998, Mr. Chris, let's go back to your Mayan trilogy so that mm. we can promote your Voldemort and <laughs> Collapse. So, there you go. You always find a way. So how did you craft the Voldemort Apocalypse trilogy through the Mayan trilogy? Um, so, again, Steve Alton's Mayan trilogy, it didn't play a part as a whole thing, I suppose. You know, I've only read the first book, but the first book was enough for me to you know, to get my imagination going and say, okay, this is his take on, on what could happen in the 2012 um, apocalypse that, that was meant to be. So at the time I read that, I was like, okay, so even though that's that time has been and gone, what is my take on what possibly did happen or possibly could have happened, but would explain why we're still here kind of thing. So I sort of took, I, I took part of the idea, I suppose, that, that Steve Alton took, which is the Mayan, um calendar the, the the prophecy that the world would end in 21st of december 2012 so many books out there and movies as well have been written and created around this idea um i think it has really died off a little bit afterwards i guess when people looked at it like me and sort of think well we're still here so it obviously didn't happen what i wanted to address then is okay how can we explain that we are still here you know, maybe something did happen on that date, but because it didn't happen in front of us all, we think we're blissfully carrying on like nothing, you know, nothing's different. Uh, actually, something could have shifted, which eventually will lead to the end of days. And this was where the Wildermore apocalypse came in. So I, I invented, I suppose, this rural location based on the, the moorlands that are actually not that far from where I live at the minute. Um, I called it Wildermore. So there, there's a, it's a community of people you know a, a, a little town collection of villages separated away miles from main cities and that you know nobody really knows they're there nobody knows what they're doing anything that happens there is non-consequential until in their history about 300 years prior um almost like a cult of disgruntled priests um who are uh, uh, exiled from their positions and exiled from Wildemore because of, you know, they're shunning, they, they would not accept the, the, the new religion, the new ways of worship that were being enforced on them. So one of them promised he was going to wreak havoc essentially on, on, the, on the people that shunned him. So they turned to the, the dark side, sounds a bit like Star Wars now, turns to the dark side and um, he summons a demon that he feels is going to bring the end of days and, and mean that he can reclaim ownership almost of the land that's been taken from him. Unbeknownst to him that this rumbles on over sort of three, 300, 350 years until the point of 2012, where there are demonic things happening. There are shadow creatures rising from pretty much from, you know, under the ground and uh, people are going missing. People are, you know, dying. Um, and, um, 
there's a few central characters there that have their role in that unbeknownst to them they are connected to the original events that happened 350 years ago and uh, it kind of just yeah plays out from there and towards the end you you get to see what these end of days look like and probably why we never heard of it so not saying that this is complete fiction to me it is but you never know something like this could have happened <laughs> strange yeah. things do happen you know but it's 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 really that it's my it's my kind of telling on okay this is one of this is one of the possibilities that may have occurred if you believe in this kind of thing because mr chris crafted those trilogy book by through that idea so mr chris can you summarize to us your three trilogy or your trilogy books yeah sure so um the, the parts themselves you'll find part one's called acolyte um part two is the sewing season and part three is of gods and insects um it's it's a story uh, it, just like I've, I've mentioned there so there's two parts of the story really there's the current day uh events sort of told between sort of 2002 to 2012 and then you've got the original events from the late 1600s i tell in the first two books i tell the story uh by intertwining those timelines so i'm i'm, I'm sort of laying the events out that are happening in wildermore current day or as it was back then current day but then telling almost giving a, a bit of narrative and the backstory alongside it as to why certain things have happened and, and, and events that that have led you know to uh, to what's going to happen in 2012 book three is, is more kind of based just in the present day it focuses on the last few days of um of, of wildermore before this apocalypse was to was to be unleashed um so yeah it's it's more so than Steve Alton's ones. It's it's probably less science fiction. It is definitely more horror, um, drawing on every probably horror influence that I could find. You know, particularly the writing of James Herbert, like we've discussed before. So if if you do like, you know, dark, chilling, supernatural, paranormal, apocalyptic reads, um, hopefully they'll be uh, they'll be the kind of thing you're looking for. Fingers crossed. Yes. So, where do people buy your books, Mister Chris? You can you can find them all on Amazon. Or say you find them all. You can find the ones that are available are all on Amazon. Um, as far as I'm aware, across the world, they're they're out there in Kindle form. Um, I am just trying to get back to releasing them in paperback, but they're definitely all out there in Kindle form for anyone who wants quick access to them. Uh, part three of Gods and Insects is still yet to be re-released. Um, but I'm working on that. But you can find Acolyte and Sewing Season. You can also find my other more sort of anthology-based horror book, uh, A Necessary End, is available in uh, Kindle and audiobook form. Um, and also a couple of children's books as well. So uh, It's a Long Way to the Moon and It's a Long Night for Santa. You can find those on Amazon as well. Uh, and Kindle versions and It's a Long Way to the Moon is also out there as an audiobook. So I definitely giving everyone options <laughs> yes and highly recommended the audiobook people it's one of a kind it, it will hunt you with the rest of your life <laughs> it will, it will, absolutely. and yeah. it's really delicious and really <laughs> black <laughs> <laughs> that's what i aim for that's what i aim for but yeah i mean i i, I guess i uh, my my aim as a writer one day is to have something i, I want to write something which is more in the vein i suppose of some steve alton is is a bit a bit less of the horror but a bit more of the 
the kind of paranormal stuff. I've got one in the works, which if I ever get it finished, is probably the closest thing that I could match to something that Steve Alton has done. Um, you know, so one day, hopefully that'll be out there. So do you think in the future you can do eight series? Mr. Chris? Eight, eight series. Um, I don't know. I, I, even though I have this, I said this ability to not be able to know when to finish a story, which is how trilogies happen for me. I I don't know if I would have the staying power or the imagination to to go to like an eight book series like he's done. I mean, it takes it's a, you've got to have so much. You've got to know your universe inside out, I think, and know where you can pull new twists and turns, new characters, new scenarios from. I my attention span, I think, would give out, and I'd probably. Turn my, feel like I got to turn my attention to something else before that point. But all credit to anyone that can keep a series like that going because it, you get readers who um, who are very loyal to these series, but you know, like I am, and they will always buy the next one because they they still want to live that story. So um, uh, no, probably beyond my means, but you never know. <laughs> well, yes. I'm on the hands. <laughs> Yes, and uh, really, Mr. Alton is a prolific writer that we need to support because uh, the books are really one of a kind. Mm. The Luck series, you have a Luck in 2005, Vastok in 2015, and the Luck Heavens Lake in 2019. Again, the Luck Heavens Lake, he's teasing us with it. It's, it's delayed. He hasn't released it yet. I have my order for this one. Oh, um, yeah. I had I I bought the I've got a, a one of my prized possessions actually is I've got a signed copy first edition of the lock, um and I um I put my name down already I've ordered the same again for the lock heavens lake and I'm eagerly awaiting that one um again you this is one writer you can forgive for for having to take longer because you know it's going to be worth it you know there's a reason why you know he's not going to release something ahead of time that's going to be inferior so you know if it's taken that long for him to be happy with it you know we will we will be so yes definitely it's, it's something good <laughs> it is it if, is. It, if it, it takes time to like 10 years five years probably hey who cares who cares as long as we get it yeah as long as we get it. <laughs> yes uh, it's something that you need to read because it's different big and bolder as a fan of mr alton if you describe his writing, what is it? Again, I've used the word already. It's, it's immersive. It is. Um, you really do live through his books because he does base them. Again, it's very easy to 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 get a feel for the places and the characters he's writing about because they're very much you know real people in real situations. the The thing, the big things that happen in his books are the ones that really you know bend your mind because, like I said, it's it's stuff that. It, it doesn't seem to write about everyday stuff. You know, these are things which are, are myths or historical things or something that is unexplained. I think he he definitely likes to corner those things which have no, you can't box it up and explain it. You know, it's, it's, it's debates which are still going on. So thought provoking for sure. You know, you, I, I, I doubt you would come away from any of his books and not want to think more on, on what you've read about and form your own, um, opinions on it and the, the the meg series is uh, I, I still haven't completed it but i enrolled on a, a cryptozoology sort of home learning course because i wanted to find out more about um these type of creatures you know the lot of this monster the the uh 
you know, the Yeti, the abominable snowman, those kind of things, you know, things you know about, they're part of our culture, but nobody can explain them. Um, and that's what's wonderful about his work is, is, is it really is, yeah, they will make you think. And as well as being, they are pacey, you know, there's always action in his stories, probably from page one a lot of the time. They do leave you wanting more. Um imaginative you know to, to, to be able to a lot of people have yeah you can write stories about killer sharks but how many are out there more so now because of him but how many are out there successfully telling stories about prehistoric sharks living in modern day you know um it's almost like he's, he's got in a time machine and he's gone somewhere to find out what would happen and he's he, he, these books are just literally his journal or something he, you know the, the detail he's gone through in them is 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 immense so if you compare Mr. Steven to a science fiction author, to whom you will be compared? I have no idea. That's my honest answer, because I've not read a lot of science fiction. I mean, his his stuff is probably the most what some would class as science fiction that I've, that I've ever read. Um, so I can't really answer that one, to be fair. Uh, it would uh, it's definitely a question i put out there for anyone who is a an avid reader of science fiction, you know, how it compares. I suppose for my uneducated eyes and ears, what my preconception of science fiction is, is, you know, um, stories that take place on distant planets, on spaceships and whatever. You don't get that with these. He, he's taken, again, myths, I suppose, is the best way to, um, to describe them. And he's, he's been able to explain them in a modern, in, in modern everyday context. Um, that's the, if I ever go science fiction way, that's probably what I would the ones I would like to read. I need to have a little, an element of realism in there. I can't go off to a far distant world and and get. I just can't get as immersed in it as I can the the, the world in which I already know. If that makes any sense. So it's probably that. I think he's kind of skirts on the edge of science fiction. I would say, rather than sort of fully, fully immersing in the whole, you know, galaxy, Star Wars and and things like that that everyone would uh, would expect from science fiction. Before we go on, Mr. Chris, I want to invite our listeners on Book 101 to listen to my other podcast, Food 101, on our third season, with Chef Alessandro, one of the executive chefs in one five-star hotel in downtown Toronto. So please do check out Food 101. So, Mr. Chris, in general conclusion of Mr. Steve Alton. Well, he's, he's, he's definitely, you've used the phrase already, one of a kind. I, I haven't come across the writer that, that is quite like him, you know, that will, um, that will delve into these kind of topics and question. I, I guess you could say he's questioning. They, all, of his, all of his books are questioning, you know, common thought on certain things. And he does seem to like conspiracy theories and, and put his own spin on them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, intelligent, you know, I'd go as far as to say he's a, he's a he's a genius really in, in what he's doing, but if you if you do, if you if you're after books that will that will capture your imagination and and just pull you in and not let you out of the pages of the book and the world you're reading reading about, um, you definitely pick up his books. You know, any, any of them. The fact that he's got you know a few series that he's 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 been so richly diverse in, I suppose. Um, it's a testament to you know his talent because you know going from prehistoric creatures to uh, 
you know the Mayan trilogy and um, and all these other that he's written on the side. Yeah, it's almost like he he knows what he wants to write about, but there's so much that he's able to actually turn his hand to any of it, and it's uh, it's admirable. So least let's support Mr. Steve Robert Alton because he contributed. Uh, lots of books in terms of science fiction that make you wonder, make you fascinated, yeah. and something that lingered to your mind. Absolutely, yeah. Mr. Chris, thank you for your time. No problem. Uh, More to come, people. See you soon.